Take your Bible, if you would, this morning and turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. You know, there are sometimes I'm really uh, encouraged and excited about my subject or theme, but today uh, it's one of those that's kind of hard on me. As I think you'll find it's hard on you too. We're talking about dying and not leaving this world. It's not the kind of dying I'm talking about today. I'm talking about dying to self. You know, self dies hard. It's hard to deny yourself. But that's what we're looking at this morning. In Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to pick up at verse 21, and we're going to read through the end of the chapter. Philippians 1, verse 21. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. Or it's, I know not. It's not of me to choose. If you're dead to self, it's not of you to choose what you do. That's the idea, as Paul's saying there. For I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you, Having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in the Spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me. The title of the message this morning is The Secret to Successful Christian Living. The Secret to Successful Christian Living. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity privilege we have to open your precious word today. Thank you that we can have the word of God and we can have assurance that we have the words of God preserved for us in the King James Bible. Uh, we thank you, Father, for your promises that your word will not return void, but accomplish the purpose of wherewith it's sent. I pray, Father, that you'd help me today to preach in the demonstration of the spirit and the power I pray that you give wisdom in handling the Word of God, and I pray that the Spirit of God, who is the author of this book, I pray that He would bring a work in hearts and help us to be open and recentered to allow Him to work. And we pray that there be any in our midst who had never been born again, never died to self, and, and received new life in Christ. I pray that you would help them today to see their need of Thee. And Father, for those maybe who are struggling with things in their life, just uh, allowing you to take the lead or take control or direct their lives. I pray that again, Father, they'd submit those things to you and allow you to lead and direct in their lives and just to learn to die daily to their self-will. We just thank you and praise you for all that you do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Your modern day Western quote-unquote Christianity is just a shadow of what was once a vibrant and powerful testimony of truth and righteousness. You know, contemporary Christianity is love without law. In other words, there's no boundaries. 
It is meeting one's felt needs. It's all about meeting one's felt needs. I was reading this morning on a way of life Friday church news notes about there's this lesbian who has the top song on Christian iTunes chart. And, uh, of course, the song is something about, um, you know, all those that condemn her and reject her and all this and that. But, but she says she's, she's a, she's a skeptical, uh, believing Christian. Something to that effect. I can't remember exact words, but something about she's skeptic, sure, she's doubtful, but yet she's believing. How do you be both of those? Well, what she's looking for is the approval, as we heard in Sunday school class this morning, the approval of man. And as long as you look for the approval of man, and that's what contemporary Christianity is all about, the approval of man, not the approval of God. And they've rejected the approval of God because they want to live their own way and do their own thing. That's the bottom line. That's contemporary Christianity. They don't want to abide by the Bible. They want love without law, without boundaries. In other words, I set the standards for what love is. You know, Christianity portrayed in the Scriptures is about self-denial, sacrifice, suffering, forsaking the world, and even condemning it. Noah condemned the world. How did he condemn the world? By preaching righteousness. He condemned the world. It is about a love, again, biblical Christianity is about a love that fulfills all the law of God. That's really what biblical love is. It fulfill, is the, the fulfillment of the law. It does not overlook or condone sin. It forsakes all to follow Christ. Yea, it gives up one's own life to live for Christ, to live the Christ life. And really, this is the secret to a successful Christian life. A life of new life, of a power, of a transformed life. So we're going to see today the secret to successful Christian living. First of all, the secret of death. I know that sounds really encouraging this morning, but the secret of death. And I'm going to look at several things here in, in verses 21 through 26. First of all, the secret of death is to die to self will. It is to die to self-will. You see, death is an end of the will. Paul said here in verse 21, For to me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. But for me to live is Christ. You see, this is a, this is a key to a full and undefeated Christian life. It's to live is Christ. It's Him. It's all about Him. It's not about me. Living is for Christ. He is the source and secret of life. And dying is gain, but only when it's lived for Christ. A life is lived without Christ. To die is not gain. It's loss. It's loss. See, it is Christ that makes the Christian life. You know, the Christian life is, somebody's described it as a life that's organic, not religious mechanics. In other words, it's from the inner man, not just an outer thing. It's not a cloak we just put on on Sunday. Your bird life makes birds. Life, plant life makes plants, produces plants. And again, the Christian life is like that. You know, it is from within. It's a response to an inner life. 
It's not a stimulation by an outer source. In fact, look at chapter 2 and verse 13. He says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So we're to work out, verse 12 says, we're to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God that worketh in you. So God works in you. So it's an it's it's an organic life that's in you that works out. That shows itself by the actions and and, and the attitudes of life. It is response to an inner life. If we cannot say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, then we only have to live to die. See, Christ is the only one that can really give meaning and purpose to life. You remove him from life and you end up with tragedy. Take Christ out. And you must take out the word gain. In verse 21, because death would not be gain without Christ. All you have left is to die. Again, life without Christ ends in death, no matter what temporary gains you may have achieved. Without Christ, death, separation from God, hell, and the lake of fire awaits one. He was without Christ. You mark 8.36, the Bible says, For what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You know, what value is there in working to achieve wealth and success in this world and then die and go to hell for all eternity? What have you gained? Is that gain? You know, Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 3 and verses 7 through 11, what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. See, the secret to death is to die to self-will. You know, Colossians 3, 4, Paul told the church of Colossae that when Christ who is our life if you are without Christ this morning, you do not have life. Now, you may be a living human being, but you're gonna, when you face death, you're going to be without life. You're going to face eternal death. Jesus said in John chapter 5 and verse 24, John 5 and verse 24. Uh, he that, I can't remember how that goes. John 5 and verse 24. Verily, 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 I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. John 11, verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. 
And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And so what Paul said, to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because to leave this world with Christ is to enter into the glories of heaven and the realization and the presence of God himself who is life, eternal life. So we see here, first of all, the secret of death is to die to self-will. It's come to Christ through repentance and faith and a surrendered life. But notice, secondly, the secret to dying well is to live for Jesus Christ. If you notice in verses 22 and 23, he says, But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I choose I wot not, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Again, remember, death is only far better if we have lived for the Lord, Jesus Christ. You know, it's kind of sad, and it's deceitful. But many people in this world, when talking about departed loved ones and who have not lived for the Lord and not really given any evidence of salvation, many times they often try to comfort themselves with words like, well, they are in a better place, or, or they are at peace now. Are they? Have they lived for Christ? Did their lives demonstrate a relationship with the Lord? I mean, we need to be honest with ourselves. We're not just not, we can't we're not to deceive ourselves, as so many are, that we can live for ourselves and somehow die in the good graces of God. That's deception. That's self-deception. That is presumption. It's to presume upon God. It's not based on truth. You know, it, it, it hurts me. I hurt for people who say those kind of things and yet they're not really interested in knowing the truth. That's what's so, 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 so sad. You know, Jesus very clearly stated in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, that not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Jesus said there's going to be many who are going to think that they have, they've done works for God, they've, they've gone to church, they've gone through all the motions, they live this outward Christianity thing, and they think they're right with God, and Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. In Luke 6, 46, he said, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? In John's, in Matthew 7, preceding verses 21 22, two times it says, by their, by their fruits ye shall know them. In other words, their, their lives ought to give evidence that they are a child of God. See, the secret to security, assurance, and confidence in dying. That's why Paul said to die is gain. He had security. He was secure in that. He wasn't afraid of death. 
is, see, the security in that is living for the Lord every day. It, it means dying every day. In other words, in fact, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I die daily. Now, Paul's desire was to go be with the Lord, which is far better for him. Would have been far better for him. After all, he had given, he had been given a preview. Remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about a man caught up to the third heaven and he saw things that basically, my, 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 uh, 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 you know, revised version of that is, I saw things that I couldn't explain or didn't want to explain. Couldn't explain to you. It was out of this world. And so he, 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 he had, had had a preview of heaven, so sure, he wanted to die. But he said it's only far better when it is the will of God. Otherwise, it would be in opposition to God. For the fruit of life, he says, of labor is in the will of God, is not getting what we want or our own will, but is in doing what God will. If you notice again in verse 22, he says, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet, what I shall choose, I wot not. That what, the word what there has the idea of knowing, and he said, I want not, or I do not know. Or it's not for me to determine when I go to be with the Lord. It's not for me to determine what I do tomorrow. It is for the Lord to decide what I do tomorrow. I'm to die to myself right now. You know, living for the Lord means you gotta die to self. You gotta give up what you want. It's not choosing whether I live and labor or whether I die and go to be with the Lord. After all, he was the Lord's. And if we are the Lord's, if he is our Lord, and we are his servants, ought not he to decide what it is we do? See, the reason Paul had such an attitude about dying and going to be with the Lord was he died every day to himself, to his own will, to getting his own way. And, you know, I want you to think about it. I'm going to read a bunch of scriptures here. If you want to follow along and turn to them, you can. But there's many scriptures given to us by the inspiration of the Spirit of God, but they were given us through the pen of Paul who said, I die daily. Look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. Romans 6 and verse 11. He says, Likewise reckon, that is to declare or to pronounce yourself, ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ the Lord. So you're to reckon yourself or declare yourself dead to sin, to the world, to self. Um. Chapter 8, verse uh, 35 through 37, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? By the way, he 
he understood the threat of all those things and experienced some of those things. The only thing he hasn't experienced probably yet in this, this, this situation was the sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, and all these things were more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, you know, we're, we're counted as sheep for the slaughter. We're killed all the day long. I face death every day. I die to self every day. First Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 9 through 16. First Corinthians 4, 9 through 16. He says, For I think that God has set forth us the apostles last, as it were appointed unto death, that we are a spectacle, made a spectacle unto the world, unto the angels and men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honorable, but we are despised. Even at this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and buffeted and have no certain dwelling place, and labor, working with our hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer, and so on. So, you know, again, he put aside his own will to follow the Lord. First Corinthians 6 and verse 19 20, What know ye not, your body is in the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God. Ye are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body is not your own. You've been bought. By the Lord. So don't live for yourself. Live for the Lord who bought you. That requires a dying to self. And I could go on and on and on. But we find an example of this. Go to Acts chapter 16. And Acts chapter 16. For example, where Paul clearly was not the one choosing where he went and what he did. In Acts 16. You know, it talks about uh, uh, Derby and Lystra and, and some of the places that he had been. And then verse 6 it says, Now that when gone throughout Phrygia in the region of Galatia, and forbidden, notice, were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, and they were come to Mysia, they said, or they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. So, so they're, they're, they're seeking another place to go, and the Spirit said, Don't go into Phrygia, uh, or don't go into Asia, I'm sorry. And then they, they started going to Mysia, or into Bithynia, and, and the Spirit again said, no, don't go there. And they passed over, and they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathered, gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Thramathracia, and the next day to Neopolis, and from thence to Philippi. And by the way, and you know that the first city they go into in Macedonia is Philippi, and they get thrown in jail and put in there and cast in the stocks like they are criminals. But this is where God directed him. See, he wasn't living for himself. He didn't say, well, you know, I'd like to go to a big city where all the things are and comfortable. Remember, they were, they were in the ship, and he was headed to Rome, and they were they were they were in a place that was not commodious to winter in. In other words, the shipmaster said, "This is not a nice place to spend the winter. Let's go somewhere else." Paul warned him. See, we we like to go where places are comfortable. 
and easy. But God doesn't always direct that way. No. We need to go where the Lord wants us to go, and the safest place you can be is in the will of God. You see, to live right with the Lord is to die well with confidence and assurance. The secret to dying well is to live for Jesus Christ. It's to be daily dying to self. Secondly, I know this doesn't sound very flattering, but a dead life is a fruitful life. Now, understand what I mean by that. When a person dies to self and lives for God, that is what makes a fruitful life. What is a dead life? Really, according to the scriptures, it's a life that loses itself in living for another. In John 12, verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall on the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. You know, Jesus was talking about there a grain of wheat that puts in the ground, that's put in the ground, and that, for that grain to produce, it has to die. But if it dies, it brings forth fruit. You see, except Jesus was put in the ground, that he was buried and, and resurrected and brought forth new life, he abides alone. And you and I, if we live for ourselves, we'll die to ourselves. If we die to self, we can bring forth fruit unto life. See, Saul of Tarsus, Tarsus was a man that was living to himself and a man that was dying to himself. But when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, Saul of Tarsus died. And the life of Christ took place in his life. And that's the Apostle Paul we know who brought forth fruit unto eternal life. See, a dead life is a fruitful life. Paul lived for the furtherance of the gospel so that others would have the opportunity to hear the gospel that he had heard and to be born again, to have a relationship with God and with Christ. This was God's will for his life, and this is the will of God for every child of God. You know, his God-given purpose for our lives is twofold. Number one, he lived as a witness to the gospel to, as a gospel, uh, witness of the gospel to lost sinners. You notice verses 24 and 25. Nevertheless, so he's saying here, you know, I have a desire to be part and be with Christ, which is far better. But nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you and having this confidence. So I have this confidence that this is the will of God for me. I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for the furtherance, for your furtherance and joy of faith. Again, he had been directed by the Lord in Acts chapter 16 to go into Macedonia. And the first place that he comes to is this city of Philippi, to whom he's now writing. And he, and there, 
you know, he's, of course, they saw this man saying, come over and help us. And so there he preached the gospel. People were saved and baptized, and a church just planted. So he lived as a witness to the gospel of the lost sinners, but he also lived to teach them how to live for Christ. If you notice in verse 26, we say we see several things over here. Uh, verse 26, it says that your rejoicing may be a more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by your coming to, to you again. So not only did he live just to, 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 to give the gospel so people could be saved, but he also was very, uh, uh, faithful and, and fulfilling the great commission and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. He said, he, notice he says he, he taught them to learn to rejoice in their salvation. Again, Verse 26, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by coming, for my coming, me by coming, my coming to you again. So he tells them, look, you need to learn to rejoice in your, in your salvation. Of course, this requires an understanding of our position of what we have in Christ. Now, that may be hard for, for us, maybe in one sense to comprehend a little bit. Why wouldn't we rejoice in our salvation? Because, and I say that because we don't, we're not suffering. Remember what the condition or what the circumstances were when this church was started. Yeah, you know, their pastor was in jail at the very start. Paul and Titus were in jail. And so this, this, this church was started under affliction. In fact, if you read the rest of this chapter, he talks about the afflictions. And these afflictions are ongoing. They're still suffering for the Lord. So he says you need to learn. to Even in the midst of that, you need to learn to rejoice in your salvation. See, it's easy to rejoice when everything is going well. And when it's easy, it's another thing to do it. When things aren't so nice. When it's not easy. When the world is persecuting and mocking. You see, this, this requires an understanding of our position in Christ. In chapter 1, verse 1, he says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints. Remember who you belong to. Remember what your position is. The saints that are in Christ Jesus, that you've been, you are holy ones, or ones that have made, been made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ. You've been seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. You are children of God. Rejoice in that. No matter what the world says out there is doing to you, you can rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice in it. But you also need to learn to live as a child of God. Notice verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That wherever there I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So you need to learn to live as a child of God. The word conversation means to behave as a citizen. To avail oneself of or recognize the laws. To conduct oneself as pledged to some law of life. 
to let your manner of life be worthy. So, so, and, and again, the word becometh is, is, means to live in any manner worthy of. So, so let your, your, your life demonstrate that you are a child of God. You are a citizen of heaven and your life shows it. It demonstrates it. It is your life. Your life conduct is something that's fitting to the gospel. And he describes some of those things that he addresses here in this, this book. In verse 27, he says, you know, whether I come or not, you know, it doesn't really matter, he said, whether I come or not. You know, I'm sure there are a lot of people who say, oh man, I, I just wish Paul was here. We could, we could feel a whole lot better about everything if Paul was here. But that's going back to what we heard about Sunday school class. That's finding our security in a person and not in God. See, Paul says, it doesn't really matter whether I'm there or I'm not. Here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to conduct yourself as a Christian. You need to stand fast. See, your relationship with God is not determined upon whether I'm there or not. It isn't determined by that. So don't look for your security in me. Look for your security from God. Stand fast. In one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So he's telling them, look, you need to be of, of unity, of one mind. You need to, you ha- your focus needs to be on God. If you all will focus on God, if you're all going the same direction, you're all serving the same God, if you have the same goals in mind, there will be... Your unity is automatic. We can't create it. It'll just happen. If we're all serving the same God and abiding by the same doctrines, you know what do just happen. It'll be automatic. There's no such thing as unity and diversity. That's a liberal makeup. It's like being a skeptical Christian. Skeptical believer, you know. So he said, you need to stand fast. In your purpose. You're here as a witness to the gospel. Don't forget what your purpose is in life. You know, if we, if we remember what our purpose is in life, you know, we'll all be doing, uh, endeavoring to do the same things. So it says, stand fast in your purpose. Secondly, it says, don't be paralyzed by fear. Notice verse 28. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition. But to you of salvation, that of God. You know, the t- contemporary church, again, the contemporary church in our water world has capitulated because of fear. They just shut their doors. You know, this pastor in Canada says, I cannot obey God and abide by these stipulations that the government is putting on me. You see, but, but much of, much of our modern contemporary Christianity says, oh, and there, well, we can still have our live stream. That's not assembling. It's not assembling. And, and you know as well as I do, when you stay home, if you're sick, you're not feeling well, and you stay home and you watch the live stream, it isn't the same as being in person. We need to fellowship one another. 
And the devil knows that, and the world knows that, and they want to destroy that. They want to, they, and again, that's the old thing. Conquer and divide. Divide and conquer. So if they can divide us and get us apart and keep us from meeting together, we will be easily overcome. But Paul told them at Philippi, don't be terrified by your adversaries. By the way, if you're already dead to self, you'll not be afraid what the world does to you. Because you will understand that your life is in the hand of God. And unless God allows, there really isn't anything they can do. God is still sovereign. Now God may allow you to suffer. God allowed Stephen to be stoned. We will suffer in this life. But we must not allow the, the world to terrify us. If they can terrify us, they will paralyze us into being of no use to God or the world around us. And that's where the contemporary church is. They don't have any answers. As I read to you on Thursday night, we don't have any solutions. We'll just be there and comfort you. But we don't have any solutions. Because they really don't believe the Bible. See, fear demonstrates that what we say that we have is not really real. That God is not our Lord. The world is. We allow the world to control us, then the world is our Lord. You know, if the world or anyone can shut us down, then who is our Lord? And Paul said here that the, that the fact that they were not afraid is evident of our salvation. And, and, and if, if they were afraid, it gave evidence to the world that they were not saved. But the fact that the world is, is, uh, 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 that they are not afraid is an evident token of perdition to the world. It condemns the world. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5.8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, notice this, seeking whom he may devour. It doesn't say he can devour anyone. It says he's seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for someone to devour. Whom resists? steadfast in the faith, knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You see, when we are not afraid, Paul says, look, when you're not terrified, you're not afraid, it proves that you have died to self, that you've been raised to new life in Christ. So he says, look, you need to learn to live. Live for Christ. Even in the face of opposition, Verse 29 says, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his name's sake. I read to you this morning, and I'll read again this, this paragraph that this pastor's wife wrote. This is off of wayoflife.org. And I quote, 
his wife, Aaron, this is us, Pastor Jim, James Coates in Edmonton, Alberta, who's in jail because he will not obey the 15% capacity order. And he will not be released until he pledges to desist from preaching and having church services if he's freed. But if he, if he, if he would just say he won't have church services, then he could go free. However, his wife said this, quote, his wife Sharon shared an update, Aaron, I'm sorry, Aaron shared an update, quote, he could walk if he just sets aside his God-given pastoral duties, but he can't do that. The crown has called him a danger to the health and safety of Albertans. May God have mercy in our nation. I read to my children the work that the Lord is doing in people through James so they can see the sacrifice of their father is not in vain. My prayer is that men will stand. They can't see that if they shut us down on this issue. They will shut us down on any issue they deem to be a danger to the health and safety of Albertans. See, our world is fast becoming governed by science, falsely so-called. And what's happening there is coming here, I can assure you. But see, Paul says, for unto you is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer his name. See, when we are willing to suffer, it's an evident token of our salvation. It's also an evident token to the world that you are lost. To them, a perdition. See, when Noah preached righteousness, that righteous man preached righteousness, he condemned the world. He declared to the world that they were lost. And for 120 years, he declared that. So we need to stand. But to, be, but to stand, we have to be willing to die to self. See, that's the secret. The reason Paul could endure all the hardships he did was he had died to self. He had died to Paul. He had died to Paul. He said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, sometimes we might say something like, I just can't get to victory. You know what you need to do? You need to die to self. Die to self. Do you ever think about the fact that if you never yield to self, you would never sin? It'll be wonderful then, won't it? <laughs> Romans 6 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. Again, that's a progression. We need to learn to die daily. That henceforth, we should not serve sin. You want a successful Christian life? The secret is, you must die to self.
Of course, it begins when you give up your own life to gain eternal life. When you submit to the gospel, repent of your sin, are willing to turn from it, and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But then as a Christian, you've got to die daily. You've got to continually crucify that flesh that the life of Christ might be manifest in your life. Is he manifest in your life this morning? 